Hey everyone, my name is Evan Vance. I'm a fourth year medical student, and today with me I have Sarah Little, Farha Khan, and Jasmine Shaw. All right, so we're going to go over what a third year does in the day to day of the IM clerkship. Some of the things we're going to talk about are how the clerkship works in an overview perspective, how your mornings work, when to go to lunch and not, and finally what you're going to do in the afternoon. And then we're going to talk a little bit about some of the studying tips that we've found most helpful. So for your first day, you're going to go to the third floor of the WVU building right across from, right beside the hospital, and you're going to have an orientation with the clerkship director, Dr. Chillog, and the clerkship coordinator, Jennifer Griffith. So one of the things they're going to tell you and one of the things that you're going to want to keep in mind as you go through is that you'll need 12 history and physicals. Eight of these may be given to the attending that you have on the floor with you at any one time, but four of these will need to go to a preceptor that they'll, that they'll designate for you. Three of them will be printed out and given to your preceptor. Oftentimes what they'll want is an article that goes along with one of your points. And finally, um, an observed H&P. That they'll have and you'll work up afterwards. Aside from the H&Ps, near the end of your rotation, you're going to have a presentation with the clerkship director. It's a small teaching topic that's meant to be focused on a patient that you've seen throughout the course of your clerkship. So if you find a patient that you have is interesting, go ahead and write down some of their history and physical that might help you later, and then go ahead and start looking up the background of the pathophysiology and treatment. <clears throat> and then, so out of your eight weeks, three weeks of them will be on the inpatient floor. You'll be with team one, team two, or three, team three, and you'll be on a hospitalist-like service. You'll have one week of ICU, and that'll be the entirety of your inpatient experience. And then finally, you'll have four weeks of outpatient. And this year, they were given to the students without much of an input. That might change in the future, but that's how it worked this year. So why don't we go ahead and start talking about what happens in the morning. So as you're expected to be there at 6 a.m., the reason why you have to be there at 6 a.m. is because the night team will be checking out to your day team. And to hear more about the checkout, let's go over to Sarah. So whenever you come in in the morning, everybody um, gathers in the workroom and takes time to check out patients. So basically, I will be a night team person and Jasmine's going to be the day team person. So I'm going to present the patient to her, and this is a new patient. You won't do this for every single patient. Some you'll say, no updates, moving on. So Jasmine, last night we had Mr. Hart that we admitted. Um, he's a 70-year-old male. He has a history of heart failure with reduced ejection fraction, COPD, AFib, and coronary artery disease. Um, so basically he's had several days of worsening dyspnea and cough, and he hasn't been taking his medications at home. Um, he's not having any palpitations, chest pain, abdominal pain, wheezing, or numbness and tingling. But he is having some lower extremity edema. He has bibasilar crackles in his lungs, JVD, and a positive hepatojugular reflux. Um, so when he was in the ED, his oxygen saturation was 88%, and they started him on BiPAP. He has an ABG pending. Um, the ED also got an EKG. It was benign. The chest x-ray showed bilateral opac opacities in the lung bases, and his BMP was pretty high at 978. 
He got 40 IV Lasix. We started him on Duonebs and Prednisone, um, and he hasn't gotten an echo, so we ordered that. So basically for you to follow up on today would be that ABG and his echo. Um, do you have any questions? Yeah, thank you. So the one thing that y'all might notice is that that was a basic checkout of a patient that came in overnight, and oftentimes that might even be said twice as fast as Sarah just said it, and you might not understand all of it. At the very beginning of your third year, there are a lot of acronyms that you haven't learned yet, a lot of new terminology, and that's okay. It's really important to remember that you're there to learn, and if you don't get it in the beginning, it's fine because you'll watch yourself improve and you'll see yourself getting it by the end of the rotation. So the next thing that you're going to do after you hear the checkout and the day team really starts working for the day is you need to know what patients you're going to see. So that'll be me. So <clears throat> you're going to try to work on picking up patients. So you're going to walk into the room and you're going to deadlift them. No, I just use a bicep curl. I would actually like to do a tricep dip things. With a patient? I would use a Hoyer lift. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. That's not what that is. Fire and carry. Let's go. Uh, no, all jokes aside. Um, <laughs> for picking up patients, um, what you want to do is you want to pick two. On your first day, you may not actually have any patients, um, and that's all right because you're still learning. What you will be wanting to do, though, is pick up a patient that is new to you. Um, ideally, you'll end up with two patients that you're following throughout their stay, and as one gets discharged, you may pick up another one. What you're trying to do is get a good feeling for what all types of patients come into the IM floors, why they're there, what they're uh, being treated for, how you can help, etc. And the one thing that's really important too is if you have a special area of interest and you tell your resident, hey, you know, I'm really interested in nephro or GI, and you have a patient who comes in with those problems, your resident will try to help you out. They'll say, hey, this patient has this problem, why don't you go see them? Yeah, and absolutely to that end, even if you have a particular patient that you want to go see, you can definitely just ask your resident, hey, I think this one sounds really interesting. Do you mind if I pick them up? And nine times out of ten, they'll say yes. Mm -hmm. But don't, be, don't feel like you have to do more than two. Two is a really good number for a third-year med student because you're going to need to follow them um, and basically every change that happens with them. Yeah, and definitely remember each patient you pick up is also a note that you're going to have to write. So be cognizant of how much you are prepared to do. And in addition to that, if you've done a history and physical on this patient on your call day with your team, it's good to follow them through the course of their admission um, as long as new things are happening because it's a great learning experience. One last thing I will say is when you come in, um, say it's your first week on inpatient and you have to pick up new patients, you may want to try to pick up patients that haven't been there for too long because if you come in and somebody's been on wards for three weeks and they're just waiting for SNF placement, um, nursing facility facility placement, one that patients are going to be interesting for you because they're already treated and we're just trying to get them out of the hospital. And two, that's three weeks of notes you have to sift through and try to figure out. So for your first day, pick somebody who's relatively new um, and then pick up another one as time allows. Mm -hmm. So you've picked up your patient. Now what? The next thing that you're going to do is look through their chart. So looking at things like, what's their history? What was the initial plan? What's been done so far? What things still need to be done? What meds are they on? What specialists are following them? What are their most recent labs or vitals or imaging? And then to the point of medication specifically, you want to make sure that you know not only what meds are they on, but also what meds are they actually getting. So what you can do is you can go to Cerner and look in the MAR section and that will tell you what meds they're prescribed as well as if and when they got them. 
And I know that that probably sounded like this whole giant list of stuff. One of the biggest favors you can do yourself is create a system where you're going through these things in the same order every time on every patient every morning. And that's going to be the best way that you're going to not miss some of this. The other thing is, remember too, when you look at the MAR to look at their medications, don't forget the PRN medications, the as-needed medications. Because somebody's on pain meds and they've never taken them and they've been prescribed them for three days, that means something different than if they're prescribed pain med pain medications and they're taking them every four hours. Barton, are you applying that it might possibly be indicating more pain if they're taking their pain meds? I have no idea what you mean. Not a singular clue. <laughs> I think she's trying to call our patients addicts. How I would never. Rude. We'll talk about that in the psych one. <laughs> anyway. anyway. <laughs> right. One more thing. When you're in the ICU... Um, you'll also have the continuous infusions tab, and this might not be just in the ICU, but patients are on chronic drips sometimes. Make sure you look at the dose rate of those drips as well. Mm -hmm. That's great points. So now that we've done our chart review, we've gotten sort of an understanding of what's happened to the patient here in the past 24 hours or so. It's time to go see them and hear straight from them. So one thing to note, this is pretty early in the morning. Checkout's usually done around 6.20, and you're going to be going through this a lot more quickly than you might think. It could be 6.30 or so when you walk into a patient room. And most people aren't up at that time, even the old people we see. So just go ahead and understand that waking them up, they may not be the happiest with, but you're going to do a lot of things that make your patients unhappy in your career, unfortunately. That's what medicine is. So we're going to just have to get used to it. Knock. That wasn't morbid at all. <laughs> knock respectfully. Enter. Turn on the light. Introduce yourself. Hello, I'm so-and-so. I'm with your medicine team. I'm here to get a little bit of your history. Or, or I'm the earliest one perhaps today, but you're still going to see another doctor. And then later we're going to come back around and we're going to have our attending doctor so-and-so with us. So a quick history. At this point, it's not new. If you're trying to get an H&P, you can go through all of it. Um, otherwise, just get some of the more pertinent stuff to what's happening to them. And the same for the physical exam. You don't have to do the full physical exam for everybody. If it's just a GI problem, always listen to heart and lungs. I would suggest it just for practice more than anything, but also you don't want to miss anything. And then stopping at the stomach exam is totally fine. But Evan, my diabetic GI patient needs a foot exam right now. You could ask if they're okay with it. But considering time constraints and considering, you know, you've already just woken up this patient, maybe if they're not okay with it, you can try it some other time. So, so Evan, that's an outpatient problem. We don't treat that on inpatient. But question, if I'm doing my H&P, this is the time for me to spend two hours there, right? And, like, get every single bit of information I possibly can out of them? We're going to talk a little bit more about what an H&P is for medicine later, but remember that... They don't necessarily have all day. They might not be going anywhere, but they don't have all day. And neither do you. You have a lot of other responsibilities. Also, it's 6 in the morning. Nobody wants to talk to you for two hours in a row at 6 in the morning. So, That's Jasmine, fair. long story short, absolutely not. <laughs> Got it. Okay. All right. Another thing that you want to do is you want to check in with the nursing team. I like to try to get there before 7 o'clock when they have when they switch over from night team to day team, just so I can hear directly from the night nurse what they noticed, what they saw. And make sure you introduce yourself to the night or to the nurses as well. It can be really weird when somebody just walks up and says, "Hey, what do you know about 347 or whatever?" Nobody knows, you know, who you are, what's your role. For so, all we know, you're a murderer. I mean, that's not precluded in this statement, but 
what you can do is, you know, hi, my name is, you know, insert your name here. Um, I'm a medical student with team two and my, um, my patient is in room 347. Did anything happen overnight that I need to know about or that I need to tell the team about? Mm-hmm. One last thing. Try not to interrupt them while they're going from night to day team. Just they're going to have check out. They have a lot of stuff that they have to do. And just like you wouldn't want somebody interrupting you, try not to interrupt them. So we've seen the patient. We've got a little bit of the history. And a bit before we move on, I'm going to have Farha talk a little bit more about some other things you might do in the morning. Sure. So one really important thing, um, and something that you may not be used to as a, as a new third-year med student, is coming up with an assessment and plan. We hope that you will accept this bit of chomping in the background. We, in fact, have a podcast mascot named Jellybean. <laughs> but anyway, um, so one really important thing is you've kind of, you've had your education on taking a history and getting a physical from a patient. What you're probably not used to as of yet is coming up with an assessment and a plan. So that's, what's the patient's problem? What do I want to do for that patient? And this is something that you're going to learn throughout third year, and you're still not going to be an expert at it when you go to fourth year, and that's okay. But what one way that you can learn is say, okay, I think the patient's number one problem is their CHF exacerbation. For that, I want to give them uh, Lasix. I want to get the chest x-ray. I want to do this, that, the other thing. Whatever it is you want to do for that patient, and then when you talk to your resident, when you get back to the room, say, hey, um, can I come up, Can I go over this patient with you? Do you have time to go over my assessment and plan with me? No. If they say no, they don't have time right now, and that's okay. And they, in all likelihood, will make time later. Mm-hmm. But what you, what you can do is say, hey, can we go over this assessment and plan? Um, I just want to, like make sure that it's right, or at least somewhat close, and they will tell you what their assessment and plan is. And you can use this as a benchmark to kind of see where are you, were you kind of correct, uh, were you kind of wrong, what do you need to learn about assessment and plans for this for this problem. And one last thing about your assessment and plan, try to make it well-researched. If you have a patient with a broken bone, don't say, we're going to give them Lasix and not have any reason to support that. Make sure that you're actually researching kind of the reason behind why you want to do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And, and the best way to, well, one of the best ways to learn with this is just see where you're right, see where you're wrong, adapt it. And like you said, research the things that you don't know. Um, but the, this is all going to be done before you do morning report as much as possible. Yeah. So morning report happens at eight. So that gives you two hours to come in, get the updates from the night team, hear a little bit about a patient, look up, what you can on the computer, get what you can from their own words, and maybe try to put a few things together with the residents and start your notes. It's only an hour. It's generally something that the night team does where they present a patient that they think might have a good learning topic to all of the residents that are on and the staff as well. So one nice thing is if you just picked up a new patient and that's the patient that's being presented, Go ahead, and if Dr. Chillog or Dr. Jubilee says something about management, take a note on that. Let your attending know. Chances are they've already heard it, but if not, maybe they think you came up with it. I wouldn't. Which is a great way to get some brownie points. Yeah. I wouldn't bank on it, but it might be the case. Also, one last thing about this whole morning routine. This is the perfect time to get your coffee. I highly recommend getting it 
before you go to morning report if it's in person. That's actually fair. I ate breakfast a good deal. Um, if you don't want to eat breakfast and you want to get a coffee or something, that's totally fine. But generally, you'll have time to do some stuff like this as well. Sustenance is important. Please don't be at work for six hours without having eaten anything. <laughs> so we've done all this stuff in the morning. What's it all for? It's for presenting to the attending and making sure that we're all on the same page. So rounds occur after morning report. It generally occurs one of two ways. Do you talk about the patients all at once and then go around and see them? Or do you talk and then see the patients kind of in a fluid line? Table rounds can occur pretty much anywhere. You don't have to worry too much about being awkwardly near the patient outside their door or have a lot of background noise. Or standing for three hours. Also for standing for three hours. So generally you'll have your patient list printed out and you'll just go down the list talking about each patient, whoever has it intern or medical student will give their full presentation and then the attending will make whatever uh, corrections or points that they think are pertinent. It's uh, as much teaching as it is presenting and um, patient care. Practicing, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, walking rounds are a little bit different. You go to the patient's room, you'll tell the attending to walk right in and see it. This is all attending dependent it's a little bit more how they like it. But one thing to note, if your attending is going to do walking rounds, it's good to have something written down. You'll need not just your history and physical, but also whatever else you're going to say. So their labs and their imaging and your presentation for the plan is not a bad idea to go ahead and put. And you want to put it in as logical order, which we'll talk a bit more about how to do that as you're going to present it so that you're not jumping around and confusing everybody. So... Now that we're going to talk about presenting, I'm going to send it over to Farha to start with your first kind of beginning presenting. So when you speak to your attending, you want to introduce your patient in a way that's um, understandable. The, the attending knows who the patient is and why they're here. So, for example... So basically, that um, patient I presented earlier from the night team, um, to do this two-sentence um, byline, I would say... Mr. Hart is a 70-year-old male. He has a history of heart failure with reduced ejection fraction, COPD, AFib, and coronary artery disease. And he presented to us last night with um, increasing dyspnea. And then once you've done that, you have this whole list of stuff that you want to go through to make sure that your attending and the rest of your team is as informed about this patient as you are. And something that I really appreciated that a resident did the first day of my medicine clerkship was tell me the order that they like those things presented. Turns out that there is a largely right way to present a patient, meaning that there is an order that they prefer that's pretty much standard across the board in the majority of your specialties. What that order is going to look like is you're going to say that two-sentence byline that we just went over with Sarah and Farha, and then you're going to go over their HPI. And within this HPI, you're going to include not just your classic old carts, but also what is their pertinent past medical, family, or social history that's relevant to why they're here right now. You are not going to present a whole past medical, family, or social history as you go forward. After you do your HPI, you're going to do your ED course. So if they came in through the emergency department, what did they do for them there? Then you're going to go through your pertinent physical exam points. Again, like we said earlier, this doesn't need to be a full physical, just heart, lungs, and whatever they're here for right now. Make sure within your physical exam, you also include their vitals. And then you'll go through pertinent labs, pertinent imaging, 
And then what is your assessment and plan? And as you go through your assessment and plan, you want to make sure that you're going problem one, plan one, problem two, plan two. So rather than saying, well, he's here for COPD and heart failure and AFib and we're doing this, 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 and this, you're going to say problem one is COPD. We've given him duonets for that. Problem two is his heart failure. We've given him Lasix for that. We've ordered an echo and so on and so forth to just make it a little more organized. Now note that different attendings are going to want different things for this. Some people are going to want this whole big spiel that we just went through and some people are going to say, just give me the updates. I know this patient already. And if that happens, don't be alarmed. Just adapt and say what's new, what's changed, what things have come up in the next 24 hours or in the last 24 hours or so that weren't there before, what new concerns do they have? And if they do tell you to hurry it along, know that that's not about you. It's just different people having different preferences. The other thing you may come into contact with is somebody saying, hey, but what about that, uh, that patient you presented? What about the chest x-ray? Yeah, and you might not be at the imaging yet, but you were probably planning to do it. If this happens, answer their question. Say you were in the HPI and they say, but what about the chest x-ray? Well, you'll go down to your imaging section and you'll say the chest x-ray showed bilateral infiltrates or whatever it happened to show. And then you make sure to go right back up to where you were and then follow your initial order. Otherwise, if you get lost, everyone else around you is probably also lost. And while there are many wrong ways, Jasmine has shared with you the right way. Um, so another thing that we have to discuss is coming up with your differential for your undifferentiated patient. So you go to the ED, you get an HMP on the patient, you go back to talk to your resident and they're like, so what do you think's wrong? Um, I think that's something that all of us have probably been asked. What do you think's wrong and what do you want to do for them? So basically kind of forget a lot of the stuff you've learned. Um, we do not need a list of 20 different things. Nobody wants to sit here and listen to you rattle off every zebra that's ever existed. Um, if they're having chest pain, what are causes of chest pain that are common? Common things are common. Um, sure, you might come across something weird once in a while, but focus on what it most likely is. Oh no, sounds like the timer is telling me I've talked too much. Oops. Well, we don't want this to be as long as rounds, so let's go ahead and talk about the afternoon. I can do that. So with lunch and lecture, um, pretty much every day at noon, you will go for a noon lecture. Um, and the internal medicine team here is super nice. They often provide lunch for everybody um, that's resident students, whoever attends lunch. Um, and what, basically what they're going to do is it's going to be a lecture covering some pertinent topic to medicine rounds, whether that's, you know, a chest pain lecture or... Hey, you felt lymph nodes. What should I do? What should you do about them? Just some topic they want to cover. Um, now, during non-COVID times, this was all in person. There's a nice little room on the third floor of the um, WVU building where everybody goes, sits together, eats lunch, uh, and kind of has a just a moment to sit and learn. Uh, unfortunately, during COVID times, you're no longer able to provide lunch or go to that room. So hopefully, in the future. Uh, lunch and lecture will return and it will no longer be simply lecture. Some nice things about um, lunch and lecture, you don't have to take notes, you don't have to do anything like that. You can if you want to, but you're not required. One tip that I uh, would like to share about lunch and lecture is please don't fall asleep during lunch and lecture. But Farha, the food coma, they feed you every day. <laughs> the not food anymore. coma is real. 
Okay, well, that's fair. Non-COVID times. They feed you every day. But listen, don't fall asleep during lunch lecture, but if you do, it's okay. Also, if somebody else falls asleep during lunch lecture, don't laugh at them. Because one day it will be you that and has they... fallen asleep during lunch lecture. <laughs> wow, you're not supposed to admit that. Oh, sorry, not sorry. I've seen my attending fall asleep, my resident fall asleep, I've fallen asleep. If everyone falls asleep, no one does. It's right. a lecture on sleep. In the <laughs> afternoon after lunch. So there's a lot of things that you can do. Here is when you can finish up your notes. You can check on orders that you put in earlier or medicines. Make sure that they're getting uh, checked on, getting given. And look for any updates from other specialties. Generally, you'll have seen them gone on rounds and then other people will come in and write their notes. And it's good to see what they are thinking. Uh, don't forget that you need the 12 HMPs on the rotation, and you're only going to have four weeks of inpatient. So try to make sure that you're giving it your go and trying to get two to three a week. And these HMPs aren't like the ones from second year. You can print it from Cerner. Like, you can write your HMP and then print it from Cerner. Um, so in the afternoon, you might also try to be helpful to the residents if you finished your notes and you've gotten everything done. Some of the stuff like checking on orders and looking for updates will help the residents. But there's also other things that you can do. Uh, one of the things that I know I liked to try to do was to do discharge summaries. You have to go and tell the patient, you know, this is what we're telling you you should do now that you're getting discharged. And it's not super difficult. The resident has generally already written everything out. And you kind of just have to be able to read it and understand what it's saying if before you go to give it to the patient. You want to check in with the resident to make sure that you understand everything on it. That's fine. And it's just something that, that would take five to 10 minutes that now the resident doesn't have to do because you can. Do you all have anything else that you all like to try to do to help? Well, I will say um, it's also nice if you feel comfortable to be the person who's calling consultants and things like that. Now, admittedly, this is you calling and attending. So make sure you're only volunteering to do that if you actually understand the patient and you actually understand what needs to be done and why we're calling this person because time sensitivity is a thing and it's okay to say you know I don't think I'm comfortable with this yet but if you are it's something you can offer to do. Also to add to that um, sometimes you'll call people and they'll be having a bad day. Try not to take it personally. Some people just aren't as nice as we would like them to be. It has nothing to do with you most of the time. It's a them thing, so don't take it personally if someone's rude to you on the phone. The other people you can end up calling are family members if you need corroboration for a patient who's confused, or if you need to, you know, figure out who the MPOA is, things like that. Um, or if you need to call somebody like Poison Control Center for somebody who's overdosed on something unusual. Mm -hmm. And for all of these things, it's really good rather than asking, oh, is there anything that I can do for you? You know, specifically saying, hey, I know that this needed to happen. Is that something I can take off your plate? And making sort of specific suggestions for what you can do to help out. The other thing that I want to point out to Evan's point of H&Ps, really, it's not like the ones from second year. If you are spending two hours talking to your patient and two hours writing up your H&P, you're doing too much. Even if they're going to give you a rubric and it's going to look like maybe you should do all that stuff, don't worry about it. Wait, Do so, what's practical. So you don't need to know that I fell off a horse when I was three and broke my pinky toe from it? Only if you broke your big toe. Oh, okay. Well, it was my pinky. Yeah, not important. I don't care about your equestrian history. What about my well water? Um, actually, sometimes important, but not today. <laughs> okay, so 
Anyone want to give me a drum roll? Because this is the part that I'm sure you've all been waiting for. How do you succeed on this rotation? Like, what should you do to study? Um, so I think we all have different recommendations. And these are by no means... Um, the gospel of what you should do. Sarah, you are not an all-knowing mythical being. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> um, so basically, like, we're going to say some things that worked for us, but if something worked well for you and you know it works and you've been on other clerkships and you're like, yes, this is what I have to do, don't listen to anyone else. Do what works for you. Um, so one thing that I feel like is pretty much a given that this is one that I would say is gospel almost yeah. um, for everyone mm-hmm. is you world. So on internal medicine, there are over a thousand questions. So for most rotations, you don't have to start you world immediately, but for internal medicine, um, I think all of us would really suggest if you're up to it to hit the ground running um, at the very start and do like 20 to 40 questions a day. Um, depending on how the math shakes out. Um, Obviously, make your own study schedule, but that's a big recommendation. And if you don't get through it, that's okay. I know people who succeeded without finishing the whole U-World, but if you can, it's really helpful. And also to that end, if on the first day you do 40 questions and you get 30 of them wrong, that's okay. It's your first day of internal medicine. I very distinctly remember the first third year U-World I did, I got less than 50% on it, and I was like, oh God, I'm going to fail this year. You will not. Just keep with it. It will be okay. Um, So another thing that I think is really popular, and um, we can just kind of discuss this one, is online med ed. So I didn't use it much, but I know some people swear by it. So what do you guys have to say about it? Yeah, for internal medicine, I actually loved online med ed. I think the only two sources that I used during that whole clerkship were actually you rolled in online med ed. If you're someone who learns well from a video source... That's what online med ed will be for you is someone talking, writing on a whiteboard, things like that. I personally do a lot better with video learning than I do with textbook learning. So for me, that was a really good alternative to reading a book. If he writes things down in a way that you really enjoy, there is a book that goes along with it. I know at least one person who said that a lot of their notes were kind of in that book. And as they learn things from outside they book that book, they put it in there so as to kind of consolidate it. And the other thing is the actual, the videos are free. Uh, you just need to you just need to sign up for it and uh, make an account. But the videos are free. The textbook is not. You do have to pay for the textbook. But don't feel like you have to buy it. That's mm-hmm. not something that you absolutely need to succeed. Um, so another thing that I think a lot of us used, and you've probably you'll hear about this all through your third year as you're preparing for step two, but it's um, called Zonky, and it's a basically just a big old deck of flashcards about everything you'll encounter on step two. Um, and it's, I think split up into sections based on the clerkship. So that's a really great resource. It's easy. Um, if you're sitting there with nothing to do and you're just kind of waiting around for something to happen, um, pull up, pull it up on your computer or pull it up on your phone, but don't be rude with your phone. Like if it's rounds, try to, uh, not have your phone out in front of the attending or something. Be mm-hmm. respectful of other people. Um, but yeah. does anyone have anything to add on Zonky? I really thought that it was also a great step two study tool. There's uh, a few decks that are pretty large that you'd 
want to get in early on and kind of stay on top of. But I thought that it was a way that was very useful for me. Yeah. And sort of like what Sarah was saying about the U world, there are so many of them that you might not get through them. To that end, for Zonki for internal medicine, there are a ton of them. You might not get through them. I know I personally didn't actually come across the Zonki until four weeks into the rotation, so I definitely didn't get through them. You, again, like most things, can succeed without it. You just find out what works for you. Um, another thing that I would say for me that was very helpful, but other, I think others would disagree, um, was just kind of being present whenever I'm like looking at my patient and coming up with my plans and trying to think through everything and referencing um, something I had seen on UWorld or referencing um, just like an up-to-date article. And um, there is a book, um, it's called... I'm trying to remember. First aid for medicine? Not for? Step, First, up. step up to step medicine. Up to medicine. Um, so sometimes I would reference that because it kind, it like really gives you a great overview. It's a good book if you're into books. Um, mm-hmm. But that's something like you can learn from as well. But it is, it is pretty heavy. So if you're a reader and you love to read a textbook, it's a great resource. But otherwise, it might just be a great reference for you to have. Mm-hmm. I personally found it to be great step two review since I had internal medicine first block. And so I really needed the refresher coming up to step two at the end of the year. But I personally didn't read it on my courtship and did okay without it. And one thing to just mention, I know Sarah and Jazz both reiterated it, reiterated this throughout, is all this is kind of your mileage may vary. If you ask three different people, you're going to get four different opinions on what they did to study. And if there's something that's worked for you and it's always worked for you, if you've always been a flashcard person, you can still use flashcards. If you've always been a video person, keep using your videos. If you've always been a U-World person, keep doing that. Um, this really is a very broad specialty, and it's it's not something that you can cover all of in its entirety throughout the eight weeks. So don't worry about trying to be super comprehensive and get everything in. Do what works for you, and you'll be fine. All right, guys. Well, that's everything that we had. I hope that this is helpful. All right, go out there and crush it.